Hey listeners, thanks for dropping in. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. Hey, listeners. Welcome back to Buried Motives. We're glad you're joining us this week. We really are. We do appreciate each and every one of you that come back to listen. And if it's your first time, we hope you enjoy. And if it's not your first time, we hope you spread the word. Tell someone about our podcast. Yeah, that is a great way to help us out. But on to today's case. Okay, for this one, I am honestly not sure how I even came across this case. I was looking up some other cases, and you could say one thing led to another, and now here we are. It kind of fell in my lap. I chose this case for today because it goes against the typical reasons why a woman would murder, especially why a woman would murder another woman. It caused me to look a little more into how often a woman will kill and the common reasons why. Revenge. That is a common one. Jealousy. Another common one. But not the reasons for today. This case was affected by COVID and a nosy community member, and it caused me to go down a little rabbit hole that I will share with you as well. So lots of new things to discuss that we haven't really touched on before. So COVID gets the blame for something else too? COVID is partly to blame, but also deserves some credit for how this case gets solved. So is everybody in isolation? They are. This is happening during COVID. And I don't think we've really covered a case where COVID protocols played a part in the case. This case is a recent one. It happened in 2020 in the UK and is surprisingly not widely known, especially in North America. Although I'm sure some have, I'm willing to bet that most of our listeners haven't heard it. I really had to dig deep for research for this one. Let's start by looking at some stats published by UK papers. Female homicide victims rose by almost a quarter, 24% the year after the coronavirus hit. I imagine this may have been a similar stat for other countries as well. Most women are murdered by intimate partners. COVID was a huge stress worldwide, which can explain, but not justify, this upward trend. Most murders in England and Wales are committed by white men. Out of all murders towards either gender there, 93% are currently committed by a man. And again, we see similar statistics throughout the world, usually closer to the 90% mark. But it can fluctuate depending on region. Women tend to kill as a solution to a problem and for more intimate reasons. We see this when a woman murders an abusive partner or takes a life for financial gain. Usually, a woman has some type of personal connection to her victim. Most of the time, that relationship is as a family member. I found an article on the Washington Post that summarized statistics from the most recent FBI Supplemental Homicide Report. The data is from 1999 to 2012 so I imagine it will be updated sometime soon. Although poison is a more common method of killing used by women, it is no longer the number one method of choice among our female counterparts. Guns are used less than half the time, but are now the number one choice of weapon used by women. This is followed by stabbings, and then beatings or striking someone with a blunt object. Poisoning comes in number six. So does that mean women are getting physically stronger? Or just not as inhibited to use that strength and that violence. Honestly, I was surprised that women are becoming more violent, but at the same time, I wasn't. Yeah, I'm actually surprised by that. I was too. 
And just a little side note, suffocation is in the top three for men after firearms and stabbing. So both men and women are firearms and stabbing first. Yes. Our female dirtbag that we are discussing today had a very rare motive for her gender. It is way more commonly seen in men, and she chose a knife as her murder weapon. We know there are always exceptions to the rules, and this case is definitely one of those exceptions. This anomaly is Garika Kanita Gordon. I heard her name pronounced as Garisa, but most news reports pronounced it as Garika, so that's what I'm going with. She was born in the early 1990s. I couldn't find a birth date, but she was 28 at the time of the murder in 2020. Garika was born in Jamaica, but was sent to live with her aunt in England when she was just seven years old. Her mother could not afford to take care of her and stayed behind in Jamaica until she was eventually able to move to England years later to be with her daughter again. Oh, and we already know what kind of upheaval that sending a child away at that young age can do. Oh, absolutely. And it definitely took a toll on Garika. This must have been traumatic for her. I assume because money was tight and they lived over 7,400 kilometers or over 4,600 miles apart, there is a good chance that Garika may not have even met her aunt before moving in with her. Her aunt may have been a total stranger to her. And seven's pretty little to make that move alone. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, sending Garika to live in England would not prove to be a choice that would give her a better life as her mother had hoped. And it was just her. It wasn't any siblings, too. I didn't find record of that. Okay. So there may have been, but there was no siblings ever listed for her in the research that I could find. With this being such a recent case, I had to really dig to find the information that I did. Garika was raised in North London and attended an all-girls state school. At this school, Garika was bullied for not being English. Growing up, Garika was sadly sexually abused. There isn't a lot of information about this, so I'm unsure if it was a consistent thing that happened to her or a one-time thing. Either way, so terrible. Mm -hmm. And was it while she was away at school or was it from her family members? There's no information about it, just that she was sexually abused. Okay. As she got older, Garika became involved with a much older man who turned out to be abusive towards her. She also became exploited by a man and was forced to engage in sex work. And this very well could have been the same man. There was no names listed in the report. It's such a common scenario for young women to be abused and then fall into that pattern of having another male in their life be so controlling and abusive and then into sex work. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that this is what happened because her mom was probably had saved and planned and thought she was doing the best by her daughter by sending her to England. Where she would have more opportunities. Right. That's really sad. She probably assumed even she would have been safer there. Mm -hmm. After this, Garika had a few short-term relationships with women. Garika's mother was not supportive of her daughter dating women, and so she kicked her out of the house. Because by this time, her mom had finally joined her in England. During court, Garika was diagnosed with a personality disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. It was said that her ability to empathize with others was impaired. This report also stated that she had a low tolerance to frustration and struggled with perceived rejection. The judge would later say that Garika's personality disorder may have explained her actions in part, but that it did not distort reality for her. She knew what she was doing was wrong. So she had some of those psychopathic tendencies. Yeah, but she was totally aware of what her actions were and what they meant. I could not find any major prior convictions on Garika, just two offenses of shoplifting. 
Down on her luck and without a stable home, Garika moved into a refuge home on Salisbury Road in Birmingham. This home was kind of like a shelter for women fleeing abusive relationships or battling addictions when they had nowhere else to go. Each woman had a room to themselves but shared the rest of the living quarters. It would be here that she would meet her future victim, Phoenix Nets. Phoenix Nets was born in Croydon on August 4, 1991, to parents Saskia and Mark. She was also 28 years old when brutally murdered by Garika. Phoenix was living in the same refuge home as Garika. So had she had the same troubled past as well? She definitely did have a troubled past, but it didn't start out that way. Growing up, Phoenix loved to ride horses and had a talent for it. She was bright and did well in school. Reports said she loved drama, which I believe was referring to drama class and not someone spilling the tea. The little rabbit hole that I went down was when I found out that Phoenix was related to a celebrity of sorts. Her grandfather, Barry Wenzel, is a super famous photographer. He began photographing celebrities in the 60s and continued to snap shots of the biggest A-listers around. In 1975, he moved to Toronto, Canada and pursued a different dream, which now includes a book, documentary, and an international exhibit to come. All on his photography? Yes. Oh. There is actually a website that still sells some of his photography. Of course, I took a look, and most prints go for around $1,500 US dollars. Looking at the photos, I have to say he was definitely talented. He had an eye for it? Absolutely. He just has a real cool vibe in all of his pictures. And I think you might even be surprised on the people that he took photographs of. Some of the photos that you can purchase are of Louis Armstrong, Aretha Franklin, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, Tina Turner, Led Zeppelin, Diana Ross, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, Neil Young, B.B. King, Johnny Cash, and many, many more. I actually had a hard time deciding who to even mention, and I left a lot of them out. That seems like a pretty diverse group. Yeah. But definitely all A-listers. Mm-hmm. And this has absolutely nothing to do with the case at all. I just found it an interesting part of Phoenix's family tree. After graduating from high school, Phoenix attended the University of Kent, the same university that her grandfather attended. She had dreams of becoming a paramedic. Eventually, a new job and relationship caused her to move from London to Birmingham. It was said that she loved living there. Phoenix also became down on her luck at the time that she moved into the refuge home. She battled mental health challenges had fallen into drug use, and had dropped out of university. Wanting to make positive changes, she moved into the home so she could get back on her feet. When Phoenix and Garika met, they instantly became friends. Their bedrooms were next door to one another. At the time of the murder, COVID-19 was in full force. It sounded like they met only a month or so before the world shut down. Most lockdowns started in March of 2020. That is when it started in Canada. And this murder took place just a month later in April. In the UK, people were ordered to stay home and not gather with other people who didn't live in their homes with them. This meant that Garika and Phoenix would have likely seen a lot more of one another than they might have if no restrictions were in place. Things started off great with their friendship, but quickly took a darker turn. Reportedly, Garika started to make sexual advances towards Phoenix. Phoenix was not interested in her roommate that way and made it very clear to Garika. One day, according to other roommates, Phoenix asked Garika if she could borrow some money, and Garika said she would give her money only if she had sex with her as payment. Oh, because that's her history of currency. Absolutely. That's what I thought, too. 
Phoenix refused, which angered Garika. Things escalated when Garika started to push Phoenix for turning down her sexual advances. So now you've got somebody with a huge threat bias that feels threatened and needs to defend themselves. Right. Garika aggressively continued to try and convince Phoenix to sleep with her, making Phoenix more and more uncomfortable with the situation. And it made me think, why does anyone ever think that this tactic will magically make someone want to sleep with you? If I just get more aggressive and bully you and push you around, that's going to do the trick? It's a surefire way to feel that love connection, isn't it? (laughs) In opposite land. It doesn't make any sense. No. But so many try. Right. It's a common tactic by a lot of people. A lot of dirtbags, I should say. I assume Phoenix did not think she was going to be sexually harassed while living in a women's refuge home. Most women in homes like this were running away from these type of situations, not causing them themselves. It is interesting because she had been abused and been at the receiving end of that aggression that she would then push that onto somebody else. Yeah, like it was pretty strict there. Like men were not allowed in the house because most of them were fleeing from abusive situations. From March 31st to April 6th, Phoenix carried out an ongoing text message conversation with a friend telling that friend that Garika was still interested in her sexually. On April 7th, 2020, Phoenix sent a text to a different friend that said, quote, There's a girl here who keeps asking me to be sexual. I think I'm going to move back to London. It's scaring me, lol. Oh, that's so much foreshadowing. I know. Phoenix used lol, which means laugh out loud, at the end of her sentence, but she was obviously in distress over the situation especially if she was prepared to move from the city that she loved living in just to get away from it. Unfortunately, COVID restrictions inhibited her plans to move right away, as she had hoped. She must have been so scared. So now she's trapped in the same house, right next door to the person that she feels threatened by. Mm -hmm. And she's reaching out through text messages because she can't get together with her friends, saying that she's scared and wants to move. You can see that this is a recipe for disaster. It absolutely was. The last time Phoenix would reach out to a friend would be in the early morning hours of April 16th. The friend unfortunately missed the call. He tried to call her back later that afternoon, but Phoenix never answered the phone. We are going to jump almost a full month ahead to May 12th, and then we will revisit the day of April 16th and what transpired during the days afterwards leading back to May 12th. This is where our nosy neighbor wins hero of the day. A community member near Forest of Dean in Gloucestershire spotted an unfamiliar car in the area. Remember, this was during the beginning of COVID lockdown when a lot of people were being extra vigilant about following protocols. This person decided to call the police to tell on the mystery driver. (laughs) It is a nosy neighbor situation. (laughs) Yeah. And normally we would kind of scoff at somebody doing this. But if they hadn't, we probably would never have found out what happened to Phoenix. This community member said that the car was driving erratically on the A4136 road near Colford in the Forest of Dean. Gloucestershire is about an hour and a half drive from Birmingham, where Garika and Phoenix lived. After the concerned community member called in the unplaced car, police were dispatched to check it out. At around 10.30pm, police spotted the mystery car, a Vauxhall Zafira, if that's how you say it, (laughs) and talked to the driver who was parked on the side of the road. When questioned, Mahesh Sarathia told police that he was just waiting for a friend. Police reminded him of the isolation protocols in place and sent him on his way alone. Shortly after sending him on his merry little way, 
Mahesh is spotted driving slowly back towards the area. This time, they pull him over and give him a ticket for violating COVID regulations. What's in his trunk? Nothing. Oh. But they ran his registration and found out that he was from Wolverhampton, which is even further from the Forest of Dean than Birmingham. So that's when they gave him the ticket. With Mahesh still pulled over on the B-4228 at 11.05 p.m., police spot a woman standing near the entrance of Stowfield Quarry with two suitcases. At first, because it was late at night, they were concerned for this woman's welfare and felt like they should check to see if she was okay. As police approach the woman, they can smell a distinctive burning smell. So she's used the suitcase to transport her body and then she's called a friend to come pick her up. She had hired this man to drive her out to the forest. Oh, and he was just returning to pick her up. Yes. So that's why he didn't just leave. He was coming back to get her. And then the police were like, okay, buddy, pulled him over, gave him a ticket. And that's when they noticed this woman standing on the side of the road. Oh. And as you guessed, the woman standing with the two suitcases at the side of the road was none other than the dirtbag Garika Gordon. You can watch part of the police's body cam recordings online of police interacting with Garika as they look inside the suitcases. Is everything already burned or is it still in the suitcases? It's in the suitcases. Oh, that would have been awful to find. It is. At first, Garika is trying everything she can to stop the police from looking in the cases. At one point, you hear an officer tell her she is going to get arrested for obstructing the police. Garika responds in a fairly calm manner. Quote, I don't want to stop you guys. Can I just explain? Because as I said before, I don't. I have issues. As she is being held back, an officer opens one of the cases and you can hear the shock in his voice as he gasps and then exclaims, what the F? Police were expecting to find the cases filled with stolen goods or drugs. Instead, they found a human torso in one and then more body parts in the other. DNA testing would prove that these remains belonged to Phoenix Nets. And remember, the murder took place on April 16th. This is now May 12th. It must have smelled so bad. Mm -hmm. About this, Gloucestershire Police Detective Chief Inspector John Turner said, quote, When they tried to look in the suitcase, she tried to push them away, so officers thought there were drugs or stolen property in it. When they eventually opened it, they were really shocked to find a dismembered body in there. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That's a different kind of day at work. And Greek not a very big woman. She's just this tiny little thing and has this really soft-spoken voice and just not what you're expecting. They thought maybe she was in danger standing on the side of the road. And that's why they went to initially check. So she goes from victim to dirtbag in like a second. Yeah, real quick. There's actually a female officer there when the one officer opens the bag and she looks away. The first suitcase they opened was of the torso and they were not expecting to find that. After the police made this discovery, Garika said, quote, sorry, guys, I didn't want you to see that. What? Yeah. Police actually expressed that they felt like this was a weird statement for her to make. That's so odd. I don't know what she was thinking. Because even what does that do to your mind dealing with a dead body for almost a month? In just her room. Like, it's not like she would have had even some place to refrigerate it or store it so that it wouldn't stop the decomposition. Well, she does quickly remove the body from her room. And I'm going to go through that whole timeline. Oh, okay. Here I am envisioning it like stuck under her bed for a whole month. No. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. It's terrible enough. So how did she find a place to hide it in a shelter full of other people that are all sharing the same accommodations? She doesn't hide it there. But I'm going to go through the whole thing. 
And it is, I bring this up in a little bit, but it is shocking that all the other roommates had no idea what was going on. It's going to blow your mind. Both Garika and Mahesh were immediately arrested and taken into custody. A murder investigation was launched by Gloucestershire's major crime investigation team. Once officially charged with murder, her case was handed over to the West Midlands Police, since it was believed that Phoenix's murder took place at her residence in Birmingham. We just talked about that police force in a case not too long ago. That was in your Black Panther case, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, actually, West Midlands Police do a stellar job in this case. Oh, they have learned from their mistakes. Yep. Good to see that improvement there. They actually did a really good job. At first, Garika only answered police questions with no comment and denied murdering Phoenix. Then just have her body, you know, kicking around. Yeah, just in my luggage. But anything they said, she's just no comment, no comment, no comment. The man who was caught driving the car for Garika, Mahesh, was 38 years old and a father of two. He was charged with assisting an offender. Mahesh was adamant that he had no idea what Garika had inside the suitcases or that she had murdered Phoenix. He was probably just some poor Uber driver. Exactly. There wasn't a lot of information regarding his charges because the charges against him were dismissed. Police had reason to believe he was telling the truth. How shocking for him if he indeed was unaware that he was toting around a murderer and a dismembered body in his car. He must have been able to smell it. I don't know. We're going to come back to his involvement as we discuss what led up to this day, because this wasn't the only time that he drove Garika. She didn't have a car, so she paid him to be her chauffeur on four separate occasions between April 24th and May 12th, the day they were arrested. Always going to the same spot with smelly stuff? Not always. And that's exactly what the prosecution thought. They argued that he had to have known what was happening because of the smell of the cases. It was said in court that when the officers opened the cases, quote, it smelled of barbecue and the smell was sickening from the decomposition. Oh, I don't think I can do barbecue anymore now. Why would it smell like barbecue? Well, because she tries to burn the body. Oh. Mahesh's defense said, quote, his account is that he was on Gumtree as a driver and handyman. On a few occasions, he has done journeys where he has been paid by Gordon to take her to the Forest of Dean. Mahesh was a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy who took whatever jobs he could to support his teenage daughters and elderly mother. He picked up some of these jobs, including the ones from Garika from the website Gumtree, which I believe is like a British Craigslist or Kijiji. We'll move on from him. I just wanted to mention right from the start that his charges never moved forward, and it is believed that he had no knowledge of the events that transpired. He was just looking for a way to make money. Yeah. This was during COVID, too. He was probably... As like a handyman driver, probably not making as much money as he used to either. He was probably taking whatever jobs he could. Well, that's a good point. As for Garika, police were confident that they had found the right dirtbag responsible for Phoenix's death. Going back to April 11th, five days before the murder, police were able to find out that Garika had phoned the Samaritan's charity. This is a registered charity that aims to provide emotional support to anyone in distress. She called their helpline on this day. Garika was in distress? Yes. Five days before the murder. Because Phoenix is not wanting to get with her. Exactly. In this conversation, she expressed that she liked and wanted to have sex with a certain woman. It was noted that Garika appeared to be intoxicated, or tipsy as they put it. (laughs) So she drunk dialed a helpline? Yeah, she did. (laughs) 
The helpline worker stated that Garika said that her loins were warming up or were hot. She also told the call handler that she would be direct with the woman in a bid to have sex with her. So basically, she called him because she was sexually riled and didn't know what to do about it. Okay, what was the advice she got? I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> that I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe a cold shower? Anything other than murder. Yeah. This whole case is just bewildering the things that Garika does. I'm sure the alcohol played a part in her calling up a helpline about being sexually frustrated. Can you even imagine the call handler that received that call, what they would have been thinking? No, I wouldn't have been able to keep a straight face. I would have been busting a gut. Yeah, she literally said that her loins were heating up. (laughs) But the scary part of that is at the end of the call, she said, I'm going to be direct with the woman in a bid to have sex with her. Hadn't she already been direct and had been told a direct no? Absolutely, she had. But to me, this is a bit of foreshadowing to the escalation that is going to occur. Police later found a note that Garika wrote and gave to Phoenix. It read, quote, I know it's not like you to not have sex. I can't give you what we want unless we F. It was made clear that Garika's motivation was sexual in nature. It is unusual for a woman to attack another woman for not giving in to her sexual requests. On April 16th, Garika could no longer contain her aggressive lust towards Phoenix. After her sexual advances had been turned down yet again, Garika took a knife and stabbed Phoenix four times in the front of her torso. She was stabbed through her chest bone, her liver, stomach, and right lung were injured in the process. None of those are fatal wounds. <laughs> it's true. Sadly, coroner reports determined that although these stab wounds were horrible, they were not initially fatal. It is believed that Phoenix would have survived her injuries if she had received medical attention. She had hours to spare at least. A neighbor later reported that she could hear someone yelling, help me, help me, on April 16th, but didn't check it out. This was allegedly around five o'clock in the morning. That last phone call that I mentioned that Phoenix had made was only one and a half hours before the screams were heard. It was placed at 3.28 a.m. The same neighbor heard banging and drilling noises that same day. I'm not sure how long Phoenix had to lay there suffering, but if someone would have discovered her or if Garika had displayed even an iota of sympathy, Phoenix would be alive. That is just so sad. It is believed that Phoenix died sometime on that day that she was brutally attacked April 16th. Thankfully, there was no evidence of a sexual assault found. To help police better establish a timeline, Phoenix's phone showed Google searches between 1.04 and 3.07 p.m. It is believed that Garika used Phoenix's phone to make these searches sometime after she already stabbed Phoenix, but while Phoenix was still breathing. What? These searches included how to fix a punctured lung, internal bleeding, and can someone recover from getting stabbed? Oh, so she sat there trying to contemplate whether she was going to let her die or save her? Yeah. Because at this point, it's just about her injuries. So I'm assuming that Phoenix was laying there struggling to breathe and bleeding. And she's like, can I fix this? What do I do? Take her to the hospital. Yeah, exactly. But then she knew she'd be in trouble. So she put her own needs above the other person's. Yeah, like every murderer we've ever covered. Mm -hmm. At a later time, I assume after Phoenix had passed, she used the same phone to search things like, can a body burn to ash with petrol? And how do killers get caught? We are so reliant on Google. It's true. We Google everything as a society. 
but she was doing this on Phoenix's phone, not her own. The next day, Garika purchased a circular saw on Gumtree for 45 pounds. CCTV footage shows a man delivering the saw to Garika just before 11 o'clock that morning. Garika used this saw to dismember her friend. The remains when found suggested that Phoenix was closed or partially closed during this act. How did she get away with that? Again, in a house that has other occupants. Yeah, she did this right inside Phoenix's room. And nobody heard or reported anything suspicious. No. Even the fact that she's in Phoenix's room and then Phoenix goes missing is suspicious. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. And again, this is during lockdown. It's not like they would have been at their jobs or, you know, out and about doing all of these things, the other roommates. The other roommates comment about how shocked they were that they had no idea that this happened right under their noses. So I think maybe she was just really calculated at the times that she did it. How do you hide the sound of a circular saw, though? I don't know. That is a good question. Being married to a carpenter, I know. Even if it's in the garage, you can hear it through the house. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor later told the court, quote, Dismemberment took place at five different locations of the body, dividing the body into six parts. The saw was later found still inside Garika's room. How creepy would it be to have that go back up on Gumtree? <gasps> Ooh, thankfully it did not. She used it in Phoenix's room, but then stored it in her own. I know, but if you wanted to get away with it, you just throw it back up on Gumtree. Be like, I don't need this saw anymore and sell it to somebody. Yeah, maybe she was planning to. She was a busy little bee, as you're going to find out. Maybe she just didn't have time to list it yet. And maybe that's why it was still in her room and not tossed. Because she wasn't still trying to cut pieces up, was she? No. Okay. So it's just that one time that she dismembered everything all at once. Right. And I don't know how you go from shoplifting being your worst offense to stabbing, letting your friend die, and then dismembering her. Yeah. It's a pretty wild jump. But you throw substances in there and then it doesn't become as big of a jump. True. The things that Garika did up until this point are deplorable, but they only get worse. What she does after the murder proves just how cold and calculated she truly is. Starting on April 18th and continuing over the next four weeks until she was caught, Garika used Phoenix's cell phone to contact friends and family in order to trick them into believing that she was alive and okay. Oh, that's awful. Mm-hmm. And it's COVID, so you're not having that face-to-face -face interaction. And so you could totally get away with this. Absolutely. And she used that to her advantage. Among the list of people were Phoenix's parents. They were unknowingly communicating with the dirtbag who murdered their daughter. Grika even asked Phoenix's parents during this deception for money to help her move back to London. Grika was clearly aware of Phoenix's plan to move back home, and some think this knowledge played a factor in her decision to kill Phoenix. She didn't want her to leave. Right. Because everyone has a unique style of texting, some people did become a little suspicious. She also was communicating with the landlord, saying that she was going to move out, and asked people to contact her via email instead of text. This was an email address that Grika created to pretend to be her victim. She kept this up for almost a month while still dealing with Phoenix's remains. I don't know how you even do all of that and keep a sane head. I don't know either. To help avoid suspicion, she also texted the other residents and friends to tell them that she had moved out. So when the other roommates wouldn't see Phoenix, they would think, oh, okay, she moved. She told everyone that she had moved to London and was doing great. One text read, quote, I am just trying to get some peace and quiet and some rest. 
Like you said, because COVID restrictions were in place, no one was seeing each other, and they had no reason to believe that the person texting them wasn't, in fact, Phoenix. That's just like a whole nother level of dirtbag when you're going to play with friends and family afterwards. Yeah. Because how sick would you feel looking back on those texts, knowing that you were talking to Garika and not your loved one? Yeah. Worse, though, than this, Garika downloaded a voice editing app on Phoenix's phone and used it to create voice recordings to sound just like Phoenix's voice and further fooled her loved ones. And it's totally possible. Yeah, and so heartless. So here they're thinking they're getting an actual voice memo from Phoenix because it sounds just like her. I don't know that that technology should be available to the general public. Well, there was that one story where somebody had used somebody's voice, like had recorded their voice and then used this technology because you just type in what you wanted to say after you've captured somebody's voice and called his parents and asked him for a loan. And they totally believed it was their son. And so they gave the money. I did hear about that. That is just wild. It's crazy. And how would you not? If you had a recording on your voicemail and it sounded like one of your kids, you would believe them. Mm Mm-hmm. Technology is scary sometimes. It really can be when it's used for bad like this. Next, Garika was seen on CCTV footage purchasing substantial amounts of detergent and a sleeping bag. She also ordered industrial strength bleach called oxygen bleach online. CCTV footage plays a big role in helping to determine a timeline in Garika's actions and prove guilt. As much as we don't like being watched all the time, CCTV aided the successful outcome of this case tremendously. And the UK has so much more CCTV than we do. Oh, theirs is fabulous in comparison. In her cleanup attempt, Garika moved 15 bags of garbage and belongings. Phoenix's bed, the mattress, clothing, and even the carpet. Without anybody noticing? Maybe she said, oh, I'm throwing this stuff out for Phoenix because they thought she moved out. I don't know for sure. She then messaged the landlord and told her that she could toss anything that she left behind after moving out. April 20th is when she paid a man to take away filled garbage bags and the mattress that was soaked in blood. The day after, she paid for more filled black garbage bags to be taken away. She just found a waste disposal company and had them do it. I do find it remarkable that none of the other housemates noticed any of this stuff happening. How do you kill, dismember a body, and then clean a messy crime scene without anyone else in the house noticing? Because with all the free time on our hands during COVID, we all cleaned out our closets. I guess. But even the man who would have loaded up a bloody mattress and didn't report it? It's pretty wild. That is pretty incredible. Yeah. And I'm not trying to put any blame on them. It's just unfathomable. Like I said, the roommates themselves commented later how bizarre it was that they were unaware of what was happening. Either she was super good at it or just incredibly lucky. It was probably both. It's always both. (laughs) Has to be in this kind of a situation. Yeah. On April 25th, Garika hires Mahesh for the first out of the four times to drive her to Gloucestershire with two large suitcases that contained Phoenix's body parts. Here, she tried to hide the suitcases near a cemetery until she could figure out what to do with them. So they don't start at the place where she was caught. Two days later, on the 27th, she is seen on CCTV footage riding a bike in the middle of Colford. She is then spotted taking a bus to the Gloucester station, where she then hops on a train back to Birmingham. Unbelievably, on this same day, you can see video of Garika casually walking into the Colford police station. What? What was she doing there? Her reason 
was to ask for help in charging her cell phone. Okay, she's obviously not in her right mind at all. Well, I just thought the audacity that she had to have to do that. This shows just how confident she was in thinking she was never going to get caught. She believed she would walk free. Most people would be heading in the opposite direction of a police station after committing murder. Yeah, not walking right into it. Yeah, but she was just so selfish, like, oh, I need to charge my phone. Police noted that it was weird because at first she asked for an Apple charger, but clearly had an Android phone in her hand. But then she pulled out an Apple phone as well. This was odd, but definitely not criminal. Most people only have one cell phone, but some may carry a second one for work or even cheating on their partners. Still suspicious, though. Yeah. April 29th, around 8 o'clock p.m., Greca had a friend drive her with some bags to Forest of Dean. The friend later said that while Greca was out of the car, he looked inside one of the bags. He discovered a spade, which is like a tiny shovel, and black gloves. He took the bags and dropped them on the ground outside of his car. He told Garika, quote, Sorry, I don't know what you have planned, but I can't be involved. He then drove away and left her there. But didn't go to the police. No, he didn't. But he does seem like the only person during this entire ordeal to get an off feeling about what Garika was doing. He just saw the shovel and the gloves and was like, Peace out. I ain't getting messed up with this. And left. Hmm. And she just continues on like nothing. She's like, oh, okay, see you later. Yeah, she figured it out. But wouldn't she be like, is he going to tell now? Is he going to say anything? Yeah, I think she just kind of feels invincible. Because at this point, it's already been a couple of weeks. On the 30th, she takes a train from Birmingham back to Colford. Later that afternoon, she is spotted taking a taxi from Hereford to Colford, again moving the cases. This time, she has a fold-up bike with her. May 2nd, she is seen going back to Birmingham via train. She is a busy dirtbag, trying to figure out and plan the best way to dispose of Phoenix's remains for good. This also means that she spent a few days roughing it in the forest with the body, trying to figure out how to get rid of it. Because she went in there on the 30th and didn't come out till the 2nd. She's just walking around with her shovel and her gloves. Trying to figure it out. And the body parts. Yeah, and two suitcases. Yeah. On May 10th, Mahesh is once again hired... This time, she purchases a jerry can for fuel and has him drive her back to Colford. Had she left the body in the forest? I believe she had that time. Okay. The next day, she arranged for Mahesh to pick her up outside of the quarry near Colford. She no longer has the jerry can with her, just her bike. He drives her back to her home city of Birmingham. The day after that, on May 12th, the day she was caught, Garika purchased petrol or fuel in Birmingham and googled the Brecon Beacons, which is a mountain range in South Wales. Around 5 o'clock p.m. that same day, she again hires Mahesh, this time to drive her back to Gloucestershire. Greka took the remains that she had hidden and attempted to burn them with the accelerant in a woodland area. When this didn't work, she wrapped the parts in saran wrap and placed them back into the cases. And that's how the police found them. Yes, and that's why they could smell the burning. Mm. Later that evening... He again was driving her to Forest of Dean, where it is believed that Greca was going to try and finally rid herself of the suitcases filled with her friend. In court, the prosecutor said that police found inside Greca's room, quote, handwritten plans and notes concerned with her removing the body from Colford and moving it to Wales to burn further. Greca had been googling the mountains in Wales and decided it would be better to ditch the suitcases there. 
So from my understanding, she was retrieving the suitcases to take to Wales to finally rid herself of them. It was at this point that police spotted her after ticketing Mahesh and she was promptly arrested. If that nosy neighbor didn't call police that day, Greca might have made it to Wales and no one might have ever found out what really happened to Phoenix. Because Garika was in contact with Phoenix's family and friends, no one had even suspected or reported her missing yet. I wonder how long she would have gone on with that ruse. Well, lockdown lasted for a long time. It's hard to say. Detective Chief Inspector John Turner said, quote, I genuinely believe if officers hadn't found Gordon on that night, we would never have found her body. From the investigation, we found out she had a very devious plot to fool people into thinking that Phoenix was still alive. So she had a further plan on making sure people would think that she was alive and well. And I just wanted to note that all of these trips back and forth that I just mentioned were attempts on Garika's part to try and dispose of the body. So it seems like she's put some thought into all of this, into the process of how she's going to cover up this crime. Yeah, and a lot of effort Mm -hmm. going back and forth, figuring it out. Police began a thorough search of Stofield Quarry and the village of Staunton. They closed roads and brought in a chopper to aid in their search for evidence over the next three days. It didn't matter who wanted to get through the road closures. This search took priority. They also searched both parties' premises, Mahesh's in Wolverhampton and Garika and Phoenix's in Birmingham. Like I said, I feel like there was stellar police work being done on this case. They were covering all their bases, it sounds like. Absolutely. During their searches, forensic officers found the carpet underlay, bed, and mattress that had been removed from the crime scene. So they had followed up on all the people that she had take things away from the house. Yeah, and were able to, I assume, retrieve them from the landfill. Wow. They were also able to detect blood throughout the room, as well as the kitchen, shower, and living area. Even though the crime scene was reportedly extremely clean, when first walking in, you'd never guess that a body was sawn apart there. It would have been so messy. Oh, I can't even imagine. Detective Chief Inspector John Turner said about the investigation while it was taking place, quote, The nature of this incident is distressing, and we're working around the clock to fully understand what has happened. Someone's life has been lost, and our priority is to identify the victim and get answers for her family. Searches have taken place in the surrounding area for evidence gathering, and no remains have been found as part of their searches. Our major crime investigation team is working in collaboration with the West Midlands Police Homicide Team to carry out further inquiries. It was clear that this case had shocked and horrified even the police officials working on this case. And what I also loved about this is the two police forces were able to work together. There was no egos involved here. Oh, that is so nice. Mm-hmm. Greca was officially charged with murder on May 19th at the Sheltonham Magistrates Court and was held without bond and rightfully so. Because of COVID, both her and Mahesh appeared before the court via video link. Her provisional trial date was set for November 10th. By this time, all the charges were dropped on Mahesh, who was under strict observance while out on bond. So it doesn't seem like they thought he knew anything at all. No, I don't really think he did either, to be honest. He was just after a paycheck. Yeah. At the pre or provisional trial, Greca's trial for murder was set to begin on the 26th of April, 2021, almost exactly a year after she took Phoenix's life. On April 21st, 2021, just five days before her trial was set to begin, Greca decided to plead guilty before the Bristol Crown Court to Phoenix's murder and concealing her dismembered body in two suitcases. 
On May 4th, 2021, Grieco was sentenced life imprisonment with a minimum jail term of 23 years and six months. The six months was added for the dismemberment. If a parole board ever does decide to release Garika, she will remain on license for the rest of her life. And in the UK, does that mean that they're observed for the rest of their life? Correct. Okay. And I didn't do the math, but she was 28 when it occurred. So she would be like in her 50s when she's released if she gets out on parole. Maybe 51 if I did my math right. And she would still have so much life to live at 51 if she gets released. Right. I was trying to think of the likelihood that she would be released. I've learned you never say never. It's true. Because sometimes it's shocking who actually does get released. Hopefully she won't. Before we end, I want to share some quotes about the case from family as well as from the authorities who were involved. Leslie Milner of the Crown Prosecution Services said, quote, Garika Gordon committed a truly gruesome crime and tried to cover her tracks. Thankfully, the remarkable and detailed police investigation in identifying Phoenix Nets led to the CPS building a compelling case against Gordon, which resulted in her pleading guilty. She has now accepted the totality and consequences of her actions. The judge, Mrs. Justice Cutts, spoke about how deeply loved Phoenix was and how she was planning to move back to her parents' home, but how that was delayed because of coronavirus restrictions. She said to Garika about her victim, quote, Her future was looking bright, shining, and promising. A fresh start was ahead of her. You robbed her of that fresh start. You took her from the supportive parents who loved and cherished her. Justice Cutts also called Garika a very dangerous woman. She said, quote, You stabbed her four times. None of these wounds would have been fatal had you called for help. You were aware that she was seriously injured and may not recover, but yet you did nothing about it. She must have been very frightened in those hours before she died. She continued to express how not calling for help would have inflicted considerable physical and mental suffering on Phoenix. She said this act aggravated the offense. This also tells me that Grika couldn't blame her actions on a snap judgment or an out-of-control moment. The act itself might have been impulsive, but she had hours to get Phoenix the help she needed. Instead, she let her die a slow and painful death. And what makes it all the more tragic is that she was just starting to turn her life around. Yeah. She was taking the proper steps and was excited about what was ahead for her. John Turner said that Garika was, quote, truly the most callous, calculating, and evil person he ever had to deal with. Phoenix's father, Mark, expressed after his daughter's death, quote, we have suffered profound loss over the death of such a much-loved daughter. We have been caused so much pain by not only her death, but the manner of it. We will be forever devastated by her death. Our lives have been irreversibly changed, and the anguish is indescribable. I couldn't imagine losing a child, but then having their body dismembered would just add so much to that. Such a violent way to die, and then the aftermath was just as bad. And deceiving her parents? I just can't even imagine how you would get through that. Saskia, Phoenix's mother, said she felt, quote, forever devastated, forever empty. At the time, a statement was released on behalf of the family. It read, quote, We have family and good friends supporting us, and our thanks go out to all of them. We would also like to thank all the police officers involved in the investigation for their hard work and sensitivity. Garika's mother, who remained unnamed, said that her daughter was a ticking time bomb because of the trauma in her life, but that she wasn't a bad person at heart. 
This made me ponder, was Garika so enraged at Phoenix rejecting her sexual advances, even when offered money because of the sex work she was forced to do? Did it make her resent Phoenix's free choice? I could see that happening. And just her reality of that would have been so skewed. About what people can and can't consent to? You can see how she would become so enraged that somebody else was saying no to sex when she had been forced to do it. Right. And how that exchange of money made it permissible to happen. Garika's mother also expressed feelings of guilt and wrote a letter to the judge saying that she was, quote, eternally sorry for what her daughter had done. She said to Phoenix's parents, quote, I am very sorry for tragic loss of your loved one. I will never justify my daughter's actions in any way. And that is the story of an incredibly cold and calculated, evasive dirtbag who couldn't accept no for an answer and let her selfish, carnal desires take over, the devious bully murderer, Garika Gordon. That was just a wild case of what she did afterwards over something so little. Yeah, you could have searched elsewhere to get those sexual needs met. Yeah. She just got hyper-focused on Phoenix and it had deadly consequences. Were there any other psychological reports done on her? Not that I found. All it said was the personality disorder and the PTSD. Which all go into that personality that allows you to kill. If you have no respect for authority, little impulse control. Right. But the court did say it did not inhibit her knowledge of right and wrong. I totally think she was capable of understanding that. I can just see where the impulses aided her in committing the crime and then being able to do something so horrific after. That would have been so disturbing. Yeah, I cannot even imagine, especially for a month. Like most people, you would just want to get rid of that evidence right away. But she just kept going back to the remains. Yeah. I don't know if she was a little bit panicked about getting caught and had to make sure that it was done in a way that she didn't feel like she would get caught. But like I said during the case, thank goodness for that nosy little neighbor. Because otherwise, she'd probably been able to take her remains to that mountainscape in Wales. So Christy's advice, everyone, is don't be afraid to be a nosy neighbor. That's right. Sometimes it pays. (laughs) We'll put up with all the really annoying ones for that one that makes a difference in a case like this. If you see something, say something. So listeners, don't be afraid to be a nosy neighbor. Yep. Nosy neighbor for the win. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know who they are. They didn't put a name or else I'd give them a shout out. (laughs) Good job. Yep. That's the way we get dirtbags off the streets. (laughs) Gotta be a little nosy. It's okay to tattle once in a while. Or the nicer way to say that is to bring attention to concerning things. Not all snitches get stitches. Sometimes something good comes of it. And they solve a murder. Yeah, this one made it worth it for all the rest. But that is it for me this week. I hope that you guys will all join us next week when Melissa will bring us another case. Until then. See ya. Bye. Okay, let's just talk normal for a minute. Blah, 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 blah. That sounds fantastic, Christy. I love it. <laughs> and if it's not your first time, make sure you tell, make sure you tell a friend. Phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not your first time with us, we hope that you're spreading us around. Tell your friends about us. <laughs> that sounded dirty. <laughs> Christy.
It wasn't dirty. Oh, man. And if it's not your first time, we hope you spread the world. The world. <laughs> I don't know what happens as soon as we press record. I can no longer speak. You've been talking like totally eloquently for a whole hour before I hit record. This anon this anomaly. Yeah. This anomaly anomaly. I can say it if I just say the word, but not in a sentence. Born in. Born in. But I have it like as one word. Born, born in. in. She was born in. <laughs> We're going to Ireland now. <laughs> I have bond line. Oh man, this is rough, this one. <laughs> we will go to shopping and bond line. We will do this. <laughs> true it's online shuffling (laughs) who was under strict observance who was under strict uh. oh now we look spooky (laughs) and they just assume that phoenix had taken off somewhere yeah i'm gonna explain that too well hurry up and explain it chrissy well i gotta know (laughs) well if you quit asking questions i could (laughs) we all love the questions that melissa (laughs) She has an inquisitive mind, and that's why we love her. (laughs) Hey, we're live, pal, and we'd love for you to come check out our podcast, Tales from the Estate. Each week, we talk about our top five favorite somethings. My beautiful wife, Caitlin, likes to share all sorts of random facts. Yeah. Did you know that cows have accents? We did now, but we also review all sorts of snacks and other great things. And so if you love everything random, I think you'd enjoy Tales from the Estate. So come check us out. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.